Thank you for listening to audio from Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church, 224 Student Ministries. For more information about Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church, check out our website at www.dabconline.org. If you have your Bibles, grab them and lo- open them up to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 38. So Luke chapter 3, 23 through 38. You can see on this slide that the theme from Luke's gospel um, has been Jesus over everything. Because look, Luke is going to tell us that nothing in the world matters more than understanding that Jesus is the Son of God, all right? And check this out, you guys. Jesus, Jesus, is, the, Jesus is the King of Kings. Now, I know you've heard that before and you've sang it before, but here's what you need to understand. Jesus is the King of Kings, and yet he was willing to be treated like the worst of criminals, Okay? A verse that we have to kind of sum up uh, our ministry is 1 Peter 2, 24. I'll put it up here so you can see it. Um, I chose this verse because as I prayed about coming here, I prayed God for God to reveal to me. I wanted to rename the ministry. I didn't want it to be anything that, that just, you know, we made up, like something like paradigm or something weird, right? I wanted it to be God's word, and God laid this scripture on my heart. And it says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I want to remind our youth group tonight that this is still true, and we should absolutely sell out in regards to believing and seeing that this is true in our lives. God bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? So that we might die to our sin and live to righteousness. And so this is kind of a theme of what we do here, a theme that I want this faith family here to be about in our church at large is there is healing in the wounds of Jesus. You know, I love the song by, uh, by Hillsong called uh, Touch the Sky. One of my favorite lyrics. I literally can just sit down and think sometimes for 30 minutes about this lyric. It says, what treasures wait within his scars. Talking about Jesus. Man, that is just so real to me. And that's what this is saying. By Jesus' wounds, we can be healed. What treasures wait within the scars of Jesus for those who are willing to follow him and those who are willing to endure sound teaching. And so um, tonight we're going to be talking about beginnings, all right? That's the sermon, beginnings. Now listen, beginnings um, are all around us, okay? I'm wearing this tonight strategically. If you guys will remember when God, uh, when God called me and Brittany and our family here, we went through a first series called Obey the Word. And we literally started in the beginning of the Bible and we took really important passages from Genesis to Revelation, and we tried to uncover what the theme of the Bible was. And the theme of the Bible was is that Jesus is the scarlet thread. He's the truth that holds the Old and the New Testament together, that Jesus is enough, and that, that we can understand that Jesus was from the beginning, and Jesus will be in, in the end, right? And so we covered that. You see, even the whole Bible um, really kind of starts with the beginning message and goes all the way through it. Um, another thing about beginnings, we, we have beginnings all the time around us, new beginnings, new things we do, things like, um, you know, the first day of school, which I know y'all are super excited about, right? Especially those of you who are freshmen, or my new, where's my freshman class, a few of y'all, right? You're just super excited about jumping into high school um, and what that's going to look like. And so on and so forth, starting college, whatever. Um, some of y'all are going to have a bunch of practices coming, right? And so you probably just started those if you're uh, playing some sports that are like right here in the fall. But you're also, some of you are in clubs and other things and other UIL events, and you're just like dreading and excited at the same time about the beginning of those 
tryouts. One huge beginning for me that I'll try not to cry in telling you about is when this happened. This is my eldest. This is Trinity, if y'all can believe that. And um, man, talk about a beginning. Um, I remember this day so vividly because, um, you know, even though she looks like a freaky alien there, you can say it, right? They look creepy. Um, Man, that's my child. And I remember the beginning of that moment for me. It was like God stopped my heart for a minute and then slapped me in the head and said, dude, you better wake up. This is real, right? And beginnings have a way of just, of just getting a hold of us. And um, Jesus will begin his ministry tonight in Luke's gospel, okay? Jesus is, uh, that those words will actually be mentioned. Jesus, when he began his ministry, okay? And so we have seen a big setup, which we're going to talk about. But here's what I want to challenge you to pray before we really dive into what this scripture is telling us. Maybe tonight God is asking you to look for a new beginning, Man, I, I'm so thankful of how God works. I didn't even have to force the text about our current situation. God is just faithful to speak. Look, it is clear that there's a new beginning, a new chapter opening at Dimmon Avenue, okay, at our church right now. It's no secret. But God's word would encourage us that if we'll turn to it and turn and seek all of our hope and joy in it, then God says that he will work it for good, right, if we obey him. And so I want you to seek faithful beginnings for yourself tonight. Maybe a simple prayer that you could pray when we're about to pray. Maybe a simple prayer that you could pray is, is, Father, begin in me a new work of salvation. Look, some of you guys are saved. I believe that. You know that. You know God has saved your soul. But I believe that God kind of just keeps saving me, to be honest. I keep getting reminded all the time about the joy of my salvation, especially when I walk in sin. Especially when, when, I, when I meet a new moment, like my daughter being born. It's like God can speak to me deeper and deeper and deeper as my life goes on about his love. Look, some of y'all have never heard God speak to you for the first time in that way. And maybe tonight, the new beginning is you place in your faith and your life in Jesus. But secondly, I think many of you believers in here need to, need to embrace a new beginning. And so let God's word speak to you about that. We'll pray and then we'll begin. So ultimately, let's bow our hearts. But if, if it helps you to close your eyes and bow your head do that. But I want you to pray. So you came to church. This is your chance to pray. I want you to pray before God, um, just asking that honest prayer, whatever that looks like for you. I'll give you about 30 seconds, and then I'll pray for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to speak to this crowd. Teach us, Lord, what it means to hear the truth and to obey it. God, there's great truth here in what we're going to see tonight. And so, Father, help us to just uh, really focus for this next 20 or 30 minutes, God, on what your word says. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we pray that you'd be with us now in your name. Amen. Okay, so you're in Luke chapter 3. Um, 23. So the, the title of this sermon is, is Beginnings, but there's a bit of a theme, all right? And the theme can be found in, in the 23rd and the 38th verse. So our first verse and our second verse, when we put them together, here's our theme. Jesus, the Son of God, okay? Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. One commentator, when I was preparing this sermon, listen to what a commentator is, somebody who makes notes on the scriptures. They write about the Bible, and many times they're scholarly, they're very uh, wise, they're smart, um, and all the good ones, man, they, 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 really, they really speak the truth. And this guy said this about, about this portion of scripture, about Jesus. He said, in Jesus, there are no historical surprises. Okay, so in Je- that, ain't no surprises with history with Jesus. In Jesus, the entire hope of the Old Testament 
is inseparably and eternal bound. In him as well, the fate of all divinely created humans are bound together. So what does that mean? Every one of y'all's fate rests in Jesus, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. Jesus is the center of everything that is God's plan. And so we would do well to know. Now, before we can just dive right into Luke 3, we got to catch up because it's been weeks. Okay, it's been weeks since you've heard some things. So I'll do it quickly. You remember that in the first couple of chapters, there was angels showing up to people, right? I'm using this picture to jog your memory. You remember, remember that story, right? Angels be showing up, people passing out, peeing their pants like you do when an angel comes. It's just crazy. God's saying stuff like, this baby's going to be born, Zechariah and whatever. His name's going to be John the Baptist. And then Mary, they come to Mary. Um, here's, some, here's a few people we talked about were filled with the Spirit. Joseph and Mary, that's Jesus' parents. Um, the shepherds who got them. Angels just be showing up to people and telling them, look, world, you're not ready. Jesus is coming, all right? People get ready. Jesus is coming, right? That kind of stuff was going on. And then Simeon, right? Remember the crazy old dude who just said, give me that baby and just started prophesying, right? Remember we talked about him? Crazy old man filled with the Spirit, Anna. She's a prophetess from the tribe of Asher, right? That's why, part of why I'm naming my son Asher. But anyway, we've got these people who are being filled with the Spirit, who are, who are just understanding what God's plan is, and God has been laying out the story to us. One of the things that's been so cool that we've been talking about also, in case you forgot, is that Luke's gospel is one in which skeptics are welcome. And look, y'all know some skeptics, okay? My opinion about Luke is, is that he was this dude that this rich guy named Theophilus paid to go and do an investigative study on who Jesus was. He loved God, he believed the story, and he wanted to capture all the details. But he was a little bit skeptic. You know what I'm saying? Like he believed, but he was like one of those people that always had to ask the questions. So he shows up to, you know, moments where like people were telling, oh, yeah, Jesus walked on the water. He's like, hmm. So he walked on the water. Tell me, Peter, was his feet like kind of submerged two inches or was he truly on top of the water? Or was he just kind of hovering over the water, right? Like I feel like he's the dude that was like virgin birth, Mary. Come on, right? For real? And she's like, yeah, no, seriously. I mean, really, I mean, I'm, I'm going to put it in there. Are you sure? Yes, right? I feel like Luke is this, this kind of skeptical, but not in a sinful way. And listen, here's what I would say as we go through the whole gospel of Luke. My hope is, is that we'll hit a grind as a youth group and start sharing the gospel with people really faithfully in school. And listen, some of them are going to be skeptics, okay? And here's what you need to tell them. You need to tell them, if you've got questions, come to church. Church is a great place to ask questions, okay? If you're here tonight and you have questions about Jesus and you're just not sure about a few things, listen, you're welcome. And you're welcome to stay, you're welcome to come that way, we just hope that you change, right? And we believe that God's in the business of, of, of saving skeptics. And so we've seen Luke do some seriously good investigating work. We saw this dude named John the Baptist. Um, Danny preached for me, um, and he talked to you about John the Baptist's message. And if you remember, that message was one that was basically summed up in this. It's not, it can't be your parents' faith, right? Like to love and follow Jesus, it can't be mom and dad's faith. It's got to be your faith. you got to own it. And he was telling these, these people who came out to see uh, this message of John's, he told them, look, you hypocrites. You, you believe because your forefathers do, but you have absolutely no idea what I speak of, the Messiah. And so that was a big challenge to us. Um, then we saw that Jesus was baptized, right? Very kind of, oh, moment, right? And what's so cool is I put this symbol up there. You know what the symbol is? It's a symbol, early church symbol for the Trinity, See, we believe that God is three in one, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, y'all should totally underline in Luke this moment when Jesus is baptized. You know why? Because in that moment, we've got all three of God's presence there. You've got Jesus, God's Son, in the water. 
You've got the Holy Spirit descending like on him like a dove, and you've got the voice of God Almighty speaking audibly to everybody there, saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So wow, right? Ooh, got the chills. Cool moment. That's what we've seen. And now this, eventually, <laughs> right? Y'all can't read that. You know why? It's a genealogy. That's what we're studying tonight. And here's what I know you're thinking. You're probably thinking like, oh, man. This dude, when I get to these parts of the Bible, I just skip it, Wes, right? Because it's like, son of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Matema, I don't know how to say none of that. Wow, where does Leviticus ever end, right? And you literally, this is what we do. Like, we come to passage of this and we're like, nah, let's just skip to the temptation of Jesus because it's going to be really good preaching, okay? And as I prepared this, I'm going to be honest, I looked at this, and like you are right now, I was kind of intimidated, right? I was like, man, I don't want to talk about all those guys. <laughs> We'd be here for like 16 hours, and we would. But don't worry, I'm not going to. But here's what I want to encourage you with. There is a message here in this genealogy that I believe is extremely powerful and will challenge us. So in that, let's seek Jesus in it. You ready? You hungry? I hope so. All right, look with me in Luke 3, 23. Luke 3, 23. I'll put it on the screen for those of you who didn't bring your Bible. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of of Heli. Now, this is pretty much the only scripture we're going to look at in all of these scriptures, um, but I wanted us to zoom in on this one, and this is why. Um, probably the greatest argument that someone could make against Jesus, if they only read Matthew's gospel and then certain parts of the Old Teasy, of the Old Testament, right? If they only read certain parts, this is probably the greatest argument that they could make. Jesus came only for the Jews, okay? That's probably the greatest argument they could make. But we are in Luke's gospel, not Matthew's gospel. Because by the way, if you didn't know this, Matthew's gospel also has what's called a genealogy, right? Or a record of birth for Jesus, right? Looks a little bit different. But Luke's gospel um, has here, and what I love is, and this is what I love about the Bible, and you can tell your friends that the Bible is trustworthy, even if they say it's not. Because the Bible has what's called a plurality of gospel witness. In other words, um, you've got different accounts recorded about Jesus from four different dudes, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? All four of them true. Three of them kind of share the same timeline. The fourth is a synoptic gospel. But nonetheless, they all foretell this, this true story about who Jesus is. And Luke tells the same genealogy as Matthew, except he backs it on up to this dude named Adam, which all of you know, right? Adam is the first created man. Right? And Luke takes his, his you know, record of, of Jesus' birth, and instead of starting with Abraham, which is what Matthew does, okay, Luke wants to go all the way back to Adam. Now, why? And why is that important for us tonight? This is why. In Jesus, there, we have all the answers to all the problems and the troubles that we can come up with in our world today. All of mankind's troubles, all of the issues that you have, that I have, that, that people we know who are lost even have, all of, these, all of these problems, all of them can be answered in Jesus. And now here's, here's what we end up doing sometimes, and maybe you're guilty of this tonight. We come to church and we think, I don't got problems, right? And, and if I do have problems, I ain't about to, I'm about to, I ain't about to agree with that because I'm trying to convince myself I don't have problems, right? And the thing is, is we all have problems, Maybe you personally do. I'm sure of it. One of the scriptures that um, I want to show you tonight as we see a few problems in this list is this. This scripture says in Proverbs 3, 7, 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is a real good truth. Because we as people, since Adam, since the first man, have been convinced that we're wise in our own eyes, that our way is better than God's way, that what we do with our bodies is what we do with our bodies, and it's smarter than whatever a divine creator's plan could be. Okay, it's reflected in society at large. It's reflected in the individual. And so the message is, is that, that when we think sometimes that we're wise in our own eyes, we don't fear the Lord, and therefore we don't turn away from evil. This proverb is challenging us to do the opposite. Now, why am I sharing this with you and in light of this list? Look, before I try to convince you of your problems, I want you to see that in this list, this genealogy, all these dudes, there's some of them, if not, I mean, all of them have problems. But some of them, we're just going to look at a few of the men that are on this list and realize that they have some major problems because of sinfulness. Let's just start at the very beginning. So look in the um, 30th, uh, 38th verse. You've got um, the genealogy as it's stacking up, right? It's like, it's like Adam had this dude, had this dude all the way down to Jesus. Okay? And so you'll see in the 30th verse that um, Enos' dad was Seth, and Seth's daddy was what? Who? Adam. And that is the first created man, right? Adam. And so you probably know this, but Adam and Eve were God's first created children. He put them in the Garden of Eden. Okay? God created all of mankind, but we get to zoom in on the story in Genesis 2, and we see that God takes Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the, in the garden, and there's perfect unity. And look, you know the story. What happened? He sinned. Him and Eve sinned. And sin separates us from God. Sin is declaring that we would rather do our own thing than God's plan. And they sinned against God. Adam sinned by omission. That is, he sat by while he watched his wife be led astray by the serpent. And then he gave into that same deception and took of the fruit himself. So they both sinned. So you got this cool, um, it's really not cool um, that this happened, but you've got this awesome scripture later in Romans, um, and this is kind of like to make you think Adam, right? Serpent, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when Adam sinned, the Bible later on tells us in Romans, excuse me, I didn't mean to throw that up there. Um, Romans says this in Romans 5.12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, it's talking about Adam, through one man, sin came to the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. You see, we all share an inheritance with Adam, as these others do. Our next boy on the list, you can see, is his name is Noah. How many of y'all done heard the story of Noah? Everybody? Right? Old faithful Noah, right? Nobody else faithful in the whole land. And God says, I'm going to flood the earth, Noah. What's rain? Just trust me. Dude, trust him, right? Praise the Lord. Builds an ark, gets on there. But the story that sometimes we don't study so much is Noah is also the same guy who once the flood has subsided and he's trusted in God, he plants a vineyard, Okay? Which turns in, eventually he makes some wine from those grapes and he partakes in drinking and he gets drunk. So much so that he sins against God and one of his sons by exposing uh, his, his, his nakedness to them. Which was a, a really a, a very sinful act for a father to do, especially in those times. And so you see great strife and difficulty even in Noah, right? Even in Noah. Another name on the list you probably saw are these three big wigs, right? These are our boys Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, and that's just an old creepy painting I found of them for you. But look, just to point out a few things about these guys, all right? Father Abraham had many sons. Somebody? 
Many sons have father, Abraham, right? I'm one of them, you are too. So let's just praise the Lord, right? Abraham did lots of praising the Lord. But listen to me. Also, Abraham sinned against God by not believing God and trying to have a child with another woman who wasn't his wife and get into all this drama, baby mama drama, before God finally gave him his son Isaac, who you think, oh, this is going to be the golden boy, right? It's the promised one. Abraham had him when he was 100 years old, right? 100 years. That's crazy, right? And, and, and his wife was, was old too. And so they have this Isaac, and guess what? You think, ooh, this is going to be a, a, a really, a, you know, a, an absolute go-getter. Well, Isaac sins against God by being deceived by his own sons in his old age. We learn this story that he's this absolutely non-discerning man. And Isaac had a son, okay, um, two actually, named Jacob and Esau. And our boy Jacob, who's later his name will be changed to Israel, and he's going to be father of 12, 12 sons, which is crazy, and they're going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. Maybe you've heard these things, okay, my Bible people. But nonetheless, very important story, the fact that God works through the 12 tribes and eventually Judah, and here comes Jesus, which we get to. But Jacob also fails. How? He sins against God countless times. But probably the most notable is by stealing. He straight up stole his brother's birthright and using the Lord's name in vain through it, right? And so in failures. Now, keep going down the list. I mean, this, this is, we could literally do this all night, okay? But one of our favorites is David, right? Look at old David. Tiny David versus giant Goliath, right? David is, is a man after God's own heart, um, all these things. But listen, probably one of the most notable stories about David is actually not his great victories, but his great failure to sin. David and Bathsheba. There's a story about him as king lusting, lusting to a point to where he then went and stole her while her husband was away at war and slept with her. Not only did he sleep with her, got her pregnant, got worried about it, and then murdered her husband to try to cover it up. And if that weren't enough, as he murdered her, he then just tried to like, sweep it under the, under the cover and say, I'm going to be a good king and marry her because her husband, her husband died. And look, eventually God outs him. And, and here's, here's the thing. We see in Jesus' line, in his lineage, that there's this sin, this prevailing truth. And it's this, that sin leads to death. This is a huge problem where we're at in Luke. Because up until the point where we're at in Luke, where Jesus is beginning his ministry, there's been no hope for all of these things. There's been a promised hope. There's been a looking forward into knowing that God's Messiah would come. But Messiah hasn't come yet. There is no Savior yet. He's only been talked about and prophesied about. And the, really the prevailing message that we could look at numerous of times, and this is the gravity of it, sin in these men's lives and in all the people that they represent from created until Jesus, stench before God. Their sin is a stench before God. God uses language to talk about, about sin and about people who partake in sin. And it's always violent language in the Old Testament. Like he is full of wrath and a fury against it. Like he burns like the sun and consumes it. God is most holy, and this list thus far is not bad. And here's what you would say. I think you would do this. You would say, but what about the good that these guys did, right? I mean, like the, what they taught me in Sunday school was is that, that Adam, he did end up receiving grace, and God actually covered him and Eve with an animal he slaughtered. Let them live, not didn't kill them immediately, let them go out of the garden, but nonetheless to work and to thrive. Or maybe Noah, you, you think, man, he was a righteous man. What about him building the ark and obeying God? What about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob following the commands of God? David being a man after God's own heart. 
and serving so faithfully as it's recorded in many, many parts of the Bible, right? Surely they did enough for their good to outweigh their bad. Surely that that means that because of that, my good should outweigh my bad. You see, guys, we are very guilty of thinking that this is true a lot of times. And from a worldly perspective, it is true. From a worldly perspective, if you can just act like you got it all together, right? And for kids your age, a lot of times that means have the newest, coolest look about you, right? Be fresher than everyone else and try to, try to be a hipster, right? Or whatever you try to do outwardly or morality, you put on good deeds and good works. We try to do this, and, and it sounds like good counsel, but what the Lord has said from the beginning is, is not so. Listen, tonight, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we, get, we, just, we, take all, we take in all of history before him and all of after to realize that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And this moment is huge. Why? Because only one God-man can take even the filthy rags that are good deeds and righteous things of mankind and present them to God and be counted different. And that man is Jesus, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Look, Jesus may have began his earthly ministry in this passage tonight, but here's what you need to know. He was from the beginning of time before Adam even, even was. We learn from the scriptures that Jesus is preeminent, that Jesus was with God before the foundations of the world. And that Jesus set aside heaven and all of the crown of his glory to put on and at, to put onto his godness humanity. He came as the, the ultimate missionary for a broken people. Not only did he come for them, but he was willing to let his name be named among these people. Do you realize that? I was reading it and I sat there thinking like, here are all these names, generations of generations of nothing but sinners, people that, that Jesus himself had the right to squash by his power, by the legions of angels he could calm down. And he said, you know what? No, instead I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the last name on here. Because if you re really read it like genealogies are supposed to be in all of the Bible and in Matthew, it actually starts with the oldest and goes to the last. And Jesus is the second Adam. He's the redeemer. He's the perfect one. You see, you must do something with this sinless and yet loving Savior. You have to. The gospel makes a claim on you. It makes a claim on every person who hears it. The sinless Son of God, what we will see in Luke, will face all the temptations that these forefathers faced. You hear me? All of them. Hebrews 2 testifies that Jesus has been tempted in every way that we can, that mankind has. Jesus understood what it meant to think about his own pride and what it meant to, to try to like fit in rather than do the right thing. And he always did the right thing. He never compromised. Jesus never lusted. He never sinned in sexual immorality. Jesus never, never stole. He was never greedy. He never disobeyed his parents. He lived an absolutely sinless life. Though his history, as we see here, as supposed through Joseph, his father, would say completely do the otherwise, but he proves himself to be the Messiah. Listen to me. He proves his love for us in conquering death. He proves his power by then beating death, raising from it. The very thing that could crush us, Jesus proves that he is bigger than by raising again from the dead. He proves his motivation by commissioning the church to go forth and to proclaim what he's done. 
He proves his ability to save a multitude of people, even non-Jews, even me and you, people who thousands of years later can hear this story and understand Jesus. Now, here's the question tonight. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for you? It means this. God's plan is way bigger than yours. The theme of Luke's gospel, the theme of understanding that Jesus um, is the Son of God, has got to be Jesus over everything. I wanted tonight, I'm glad we're in this because it got us to refocus on what Luke is. I want you reading Luke. I want you like, when you have a chance in free time in the Bible outside of your normal plan, I want you to read Luke. I want you to read it in one setting one day. I want you to read it every day of the week as best you can. I want you to be so familiar with it because I guarantee you God will still show you more and more of himself. But here's the theme about this. It's got to be Jesus over everything if you're going to follow him. It has to. It means Jesus over my opinions, Jesus over my plans, Jesus over my personal desires, Jesus over my money, Jesus over my time, Jesus over the thoughts I think, Jesus over my words that I speak, Jesus over my friendships that I have, Jesus over my relationships that I'm involved in, Jesus over everything. Why? Because he's worth it. Because he loves you. It was said from our pulpit on uh, Sunday morning, two weeks ago, that so many times, you know what we want standing on the edge of our first year, or our first year as a freshman, or standing on the edge of college, or maybe another grade that you're going into, standing at the edge of an uncertain time as a church body, standing on the edge of, of some cliff of life where maybe you're going to have a kid, or you're going to get married, whatever, Standing on the edge of those moments, you know what we always want? We want God to tell us everything right now. We want to know what to do. We want to know what to say. We want to know who to talk to, who to trust, what to do this, how to do that. We want answers. And we want to know all of God's plan for us. We want to know 20 years from now who we'll marry and what we'll do. And listen, following Jesus and having a Jesus over everything mentality, two weeks ago it was said that, that if God actually gave you what you wanted, if God actually took all that wisdom of his plan, of what he's been doing to get you to this moment now and to get you on into the future. And he tried to fit that, he put that into your brain. It would be like taking a grand piano, a big, beautiful grand piano, and putting it into a hall closet, right? It wouldn't fit. If God actually let you in on everything he wants to do through you this year or what he wants to do and in, in even right now and try to, if, if God put all of his incredible wisdom, because God is a person who can move this person from this state to this to move to do this and this person, and he's just the grand weaver to bring people to moments of salvation and in growth as they trust him. If he was to do that, you would short circuit. You wouldn't be able to withstand it. You would explode. Because you're not called to know that, Christian. You're called to know what we're talking about tonight. The outright, simple, and beautiful truth that God is love, and in his love he demonstrated it, and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That his mercy and his grace are enough to cleanse you today. Today, for yesterday's troubles and for what you send in today even. He's enough and he stands at the threshold of your life every time saying, stop trying to look beyond me, around me, or through me. Look at me. Look at me, church. I bore the cross for you. I died and I rose again. And with willingness in my heart, I welcome you. I welcome you in to know me. And if you know me, I'll take care of everything. You see, Jesus over everything 
brings us to a place where we can truly walk in grace and in mercy. Here's the invitation. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Son of God, right? That's what we saw in this, in this uh, very long genealogy. Jesus, verse 1, the 38th verse, Son of God. Take all that in between and realize God redeemed all of that history and he's redeeming history now. And the main message is found in the first verse of our chapter, of our passage, and the end. Jesus, Son of God. I'm asking you, do you know him? And I'm asking, does he know you? I'm asking you, do you live for him? I'm asking you, are you his church? It's a really good question. God told me to ask you that tonight. Are you his church? Church is more than walls. Church is people. Will you follow him now? Will you extend the forgiveness that you didn't deserve to those you feel that don't don't deserve it? If so, here's what I'm asking you to do tonight. I'm asking you to come forward, every one of you. Every one of you, I'm asking you to come forward. I'm asking you to get out of your chair and come forward. I've got index cards down here. I want you, if you will, and you don't have to, but I'm talking to every person here. If you're lost and you don't know, come to this, come get a card. If you're saved and you know what's struggling, what you're struggling with, come get a card. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take one of these index cards, and we're going to play a little worship song, okay, three to four minutes. And in playing that song for three to four minutes, I want you to take time, and as a symbol of your commitment to Jesus, of him being everything for you, I want you to write down your confession to him, your confession, your honest confession. You just write down on a card, God, I'm struggling with unforgiveness in my heart. God, I don't know you. Will you save me? God, I'm struggling with my identity. I hate looking in the mirror at myself. God, I cannot kick this addiction. I'm struggling with this. Be as honest as you want. Be as real as you want. My challenge to you is to write it down. Come get a paper. Respond to God and write that confession down. Now, after you do it, uh, and after the song kind of ends, I'm going to give a second extension into the invitation. And it's going to be this. It's going to be that you take that card, and you go find someone in here, and you hand it to them. And you swap cards with them, and then you two pray about that. You look at that card, and you pray for that person. They look at your card, and they pray for you. God burdened me when I went to a, a conference about, how, about youth ministry that we don't pray enough. And every week, I'm committed, week in and week out, for this to be a place where youth learn to pray. They're taught how to pray. They know how to pray for each other. And so if you're comfortable with it, the second part of the invitation is going to be you didn't just write down that truth so God could hear it, but you're going to confess it to your brother or sister in Christ, someone you trust. Or maybe if you're new tonight and you just, you're just nervous about that, somebody you came with that you know. And you know they want to be praying for you or they wouldn't have invited you tonight. And so I want you to write that thing down and then I want you to ask God for the boldness to hand that to someone and ask them to pray for you. Join me in prayer. And as we pray, um, Colin, go ahead and be pulling up a worship song on my iTunes. Kenneth, you can help him with that. I'm sorry I didn't give you guys a heads up about that. Let's pray. Hey guys, Brother Wes here, Minister of Students at Dimmon Avenue Baptist Church. We want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We ask that you feel free to share, but in your sharing, please don't charge for those copies. Though these podcasts are helpful, they are not an adequate substitute for plugging into a local congregation near you. Go find a church near you and go and serve Jesus Christ alongside them. And may these podcasts equip you to do that better. Grace and peace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.